You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here. And today's podcast is a deal analysis about a refinance for an office building here in Centennial, Colorado. And what makes this very interesting is that not only is it hyper-local, it's a $3 million office building, but it's towards the end of this investor's life cycle. I know the majority of our viewers are you know, newer to midstream investors, and this is towards the very tail end of this investor's uh, cycle. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the way the refinance was structured and how it's still a great win for himself and his investing goals. And to talk about the deal, I have the guys from Spearhead Commercial Capital, Marcus Davis. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Doing really good. And William Foy. How are you, William? I'm well. Thanks, Chris. All right. I think people are getting used to your different voices and figure out who's who as we talk. (laughs) So, Marcus, I know uh, you took the lead on on this property. So, Paint us a really quick picture, if you could, as far as just like the investor profile, because this really piqued my interest as we talked about this the other week. Sure. Yeah. Well, this is an older gentleman. Um, He's on the back end of his investment career, I guess you could say. He's had a successful run at it. You know, he's been an investor for approximately 50 years. He started his career investing in single family rentals in Wyoming long before it was a cool thing to do, you know, he kind of before HGTV was (laughs) showing the secrets. That's right. So, um, you know, he kind of matured from single family rentals to multifamily kind of true complexes and communities and into office space as well. So he's had a good run at it. He's been kind of selling off some assets year by year and he's down to his last few assets. And this office property that we're going to talk about was pretty much his last run at it. Okay. Um, and for the details of here, um, I want to make sure everyone knows who you guys are because you guys are commercial mortgage lenders here in Denver. Obviously, you serve a lot in Colorado and nationwide as well. When it comes to like, you know, multifamily, commercial, industrial purchases, aqu- uh, refinances, all that, you are go to guys. And all your details will be in the show notes. But this is what makes you experts to talk about this deal. Um, so, how'd you come across this property? So this is a property that I drive by actually nearly every day on my way to the office. And we had um, we'd closed the deal across the street from this property like two years ago. And I was kind of just sharing the good news with the other investors in the market and reached out to this gentleman via cold call and introduced ourselves as somebody who would like to, you know, look at his future financing needs. And just so happened that, you know, he said if we could lower his interest rate, he'd be interested in talking more. So wasn't quite his maturity, but he was at a place where he'd start talking about it and planning for it. Okay. And what was the, like, what was the, like the, the current loan on the property? Like, where was it at? uh, And what were the numbers like? Yeah. Um, So I believe his interest rate was 4.5 at the time when we reached out to him. It was a loan that was uh, three years in and it was a five-year note. So he had two years left on the remaining term. Uh, I think one of which he had a 1% prepayment penalty, which is what he ended up paying uh, at the time of refinancing this note. Um, so yeah, four four 4.5, I believe was his rate at the time. And his payoff was real close to where we are today. So, cause he got 250 grand cash out. Okay. 
And so as you're talking with them, I know uh, at some point you either talked to them, it was either right before, right after the pandemic started, which of course uh, caused some major ripple effects through commercial lending and office space as well. So, you know, a lot of people stopped going to the office. So what was the timing like and how that impact everything? Yeah. So I think we, we met him like two years ago, which would have put us right at the beginning or at the heart of uh, the pandemic kind of when everybody was spooked too. A lot of lenders just kind of said no to office space at that time, because as we all know, a lot of tenants were exiting the buildings and they weren't excited about, you know, signing new long-term leases, which most lending institutions would like to see. Um, but rather they were figuring out how can they work remotely? Um, so yeah, so that brought some challenges and his rent roll was not in a great place, uh, when we first met him. He was at about 60%. And like I said, most of that was because of new new exits of tenants. Um, some people even broke their leases to get out of there, even if it cost them money, because in the long run, they felt like they would save. So that was one of the big challenges going through here was really letting him get to a place where most lending institutions would be comfortable uh, from a rent roll standpoint and an occupancy standpoint. What are like the basic rules of thumb that lenders look for on the you know, on the office space side of things as far as like occupancy or certain things like that? Yeah. Um, you know, a normal factor in commercial real estate is just that debt service coverage of typically 1.2, 1.25 and greater. Um, and then as far as the rent roll goes and occupancy, most lenders would love to see anything above 70% would fit into most policies. Um, a lot of lenders would still like to see even 75%. During COVID, um, you know, if they really wanted to see an office space overperform, if they were really going to consider it. So that that brought some challenges. And one of the things that matters to lenders too is kind of the length of the term. You know, they try to match their term of the loan with, um, you know, maybe an average uh, term of, of tenant you know, leases left. So oh, really? that plays into things as well. They don't want to put out a seven-year deal if like you're going to have 100% tenant rollover, you know, halfway through their note. Okay. Yeah, it's a good call. And during COVID, a lot of folks were trying to be creative and do short-term leases. And if you bring in a bunch of folks at one-year leases or month-to-month leases, you're going to have a hard time finding a five-year, you know, rate or a five-year term in that situation. So um, those were those were some of the challenges. Okay. So walk us through here. So um, you connect with him because you had helped the office building across the street and some financing on there. Reach out to him, keep him updated. Uh, Like a lot of people, hey, if you can find me a better rate, better terms, let's go. Um, But I know this took a while to get get across the finish line. So just walk us through the the story of it. Yeah. So I was pretty much in conversation with the bookkeeper monthly, um, getting new rent rolls, doing my own underwriting to see, hey, can we check the box of cash flow from the debt service coverage ratio standpoint, or can we check the box from the occupancy standpoint? Just naturally, some of the leases were falling off as they're bringing in new leases. So right when you think you're at a a spot where you can win the deal or get it booked out, a lease would fall out or somebody would decide, hey, our company's going to work from home. Here's our money. We're out of here. Um, So there was a lot of challenges on this, literally tracking it for probably 18 months consistently before we got to a place where, all right, we're ready to go. And um, that was early in the year, like January-ish. And they were at 72%, I believe. And that's when we started moving forward with a formal approval. We had an interested lender at that time, and they've been tracking it with us for 
say eight months or so. Um, and they were interested and eager to, to book the deal as well, but we needed to, to check those boxes before we could even order an appraisal and start the formal underwriting. All right. So you start the process and I mean, 60 days from that standpoint, or what's typical, I would say for a refinance like that. Yeah. I mean, from the time that we know the deal works, I would say 60 days, Okay, which would be the same on like a purchase. If you present a purchase contract, if we have 60 days, that's usually enough time to figure it out in today's world. Um, so if we, if we felt comfortable in January and 60 days after that kind of put us into late March, um, a little bit of stuff happened there with the capital markets in that time, being that there was a war that started and interest rates went sky high in that time. So that just caused another bit of a challenge. But um, yeah, about 60 days after that, we had closed. Okay. And so you were, I mean, this was happening right as they said, interest rates were going up. And I know that we know one of the things the investor said was that he wanted a lower interest rate, which going off of two years ago was lower than today. So how did that affect what he got or the way he perceived the deal or was it still made sense he needed to get a new term? Yeah, I mean, good question. And these are the things that are the worst part about our job, I guess, is anytime you see a term sheet get retraded or a quote get, you know, uh, modified, not for the the borrower's favor. Um, In this situation, we had originally presented a 3.75 fixed rate for five years. And by the time it was all said and done, this bank doesn't normally you know, do anything like this, but just with the circumstances, the way that they are, the five-year treasury had went up nearly 150 basis points in this time. And the lender had to adjust that rate to a 4.35, which, you know, at the end of the day, 70 basis point spread wasn't uh, as severe as what the market was trading at, Mm -hmm. but it still bumped up his rate. Um, So, it was a bummer. It still beat his old interest rate. It got him locked in at what I think was probably the lowest interest rate available for his type of property at the time. So all in all, that's that's a win. All right. And you had told me um, we were preparing for this. There was some creative way on here to help pull out some equity or cash from this refinance, right? All right. I might be mixing up a couple of details, but there's some creativity done on here, which I always enjoy hearing what you guys do because you're very good about, hey, owner, or hey, Mr. Owner, what's your goals? Now let's figure out a way to get you there. And you often do a little create, creative, creative stuff along the way. Yeah, you're right. One of the priorities for the request was also accessing some cash out. These guys have done some LED light improvements to their property in recent years, and they wanted to get some cash out of that can actually assign a value to LED lights because it is, you know, like a form of equipment and it does sit on his balance sheet like an asset. So um, what we had hoped to do was just give him cash out, let him run with the cash and do whatever he wishes with it. But what the bank felt most comfortable with is, hey, let's give you the same dollar amount that you requested in cash out. But rather than just give it to you and let you do whatever you want with it, we're going to we're going to create an assignment that this goes to taxes for the future year. Um, so he's already prepaid his taxes this year, which now it kind of frees him up with the cash flow he has in the property to be able to do a distribution, which like kind is essentially what he was accomplishing, you know. What so. was it like the ballpark of the cash flow he was looking for? Oh, it was about that same amount. So his tax amount ended up being real close to that same LED improvement. So like 250 grand. And this uh, was just for LED improvements? Yeah, this well, it's a sizable, you okay. know, it's a 90,000 square foot building, Okay, um, you know, 40, 40 different tenant spaces. So 
it's a sizable job and yeah, LED lights aren't cheap, I guess. Okay. So got that and still got cash out. I mean, kind of sounds like left pocket, right pocket versus me. Totally. And they like got, got the job done. Investor was happy, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. So they pretty much prepaid his taxes for next year. So all that cash flow that we'd have to set aside for the taxes is now just going to his pocket. Okay. From the lender's perspective, I'm curious, how does that change their risk? From the cash flow? Yeah, or from like or, the lender's perspective saying, hey, this isn't a, a cash refi for these uh, LED bulbs, oh, gotcha. but this is for prepayment towards taxes. Like from their perspective, how's it changed? I'm assuming it's, it minimizes risk on their part somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. The collateral, their collateral for the loan, um, their tax obligations already paid. So, you know, that's one of the, that would be a risk for a lot of lenders, I guess, is if the tax payments aren't made, then therefore there's mm, okay. some form of uh, a liability in both the bank and the borrower. But in that situation, yeah, the bank feel, feels a little bit better knowing that their money went towards taxes, which was a hard cost for the property. Okay. A fixed cost. I would say most lenders want to see cash out from properties go into, or they want to know the reason for it, right? It's like, is guy going to buy a sailboat or is he going to improve the property some more or is he going to buy something else that they might be able to take a run at in the future, um, like another property or something like that. Um, so, so it's, it's help, just, man- help manage risk and also help potentially get other... Uh, from a bank's well, perspective, yeah, it's just like, is this guy building out his portfolio more? Does that lead to more business for us? Makes yeah. it a stickier customer for the lender. Um, but they don't want to just, you know, throw money out into space and say, let's see what happens with it. Yeah. Um, so I think the prepaying the taxes helped them along with like, well, hey, that kind of adds value to the asset at some level. Okay, great. That's very, very good to know. Um, so get through here, got the cash out and got a lower interest rate. And you said the term was matched up with his plans for exiting the property. Can you kind of talk about what the plans were and how you played matchmaker there? Yeah, good call. I mean, so when we met this gentleman a couple of years ago, he really was back and forth on, do I sell this? Do I, do I refinance it? Do I take out a sizable amount of cash out? At the end of the day, he just wanted to have some flexibility to sell if something good comes along and he didn't want to be penalized for that. So in his prepayment uh, language, we had added a waiver that allows for him to sell with no penalty if he decides to. So if he does get that killer offer during the time of this loan, he can feel comfortable knowing that he can sell it with no cost, you know, or, you know, so you still had the prepayment in in there, but with a waiver. That's right. So if he refinances, He's going to get hit with a fee. Okay. But if he sells, um, he's going to be able to waive that. I got you. So it waived on the sales side, but if he refinanced, he'd still be paying it. Which fits okay. right into his strategy. You know, he doesn't plan to refinance this thing again. If his prepayment falls off after year three of this five-year note, if he sells in the first three years, he knows he's going to sell in the next five years. Let's put it that way. He just doesn't yeah. know if it's going to happen in the prepayment penalty period or throughout the life of the loan. I gotcha. I gotcha. That makes sense. Um, and so with this investor and his goals, like, I don't know how much, how long you've known him for, but I always find it fascinating to talk to people with that type of experience. Any like random tidbits or things you just learn from through conversations? I mean, this was a long process of investing in 50 years. Just any, any tidbits you can peel away from that and share with like me and other listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, this guy and and his strategy are a bit of a rarity in the sense that he's always been a low leverage guy. You know, I mean, sure, he's seen some crazy market appreciation. 
um, throughout his his investing life. But even as you can see on this asset, he's at 45% leverage with cash out. You know, I'm sure it's not a sizable amount of cash out, but for him, that kind of even goes against his investment policy. Um, he just really hasn't been a cash out guy. He's he's won a lot on exiting deals and he'll take those and 1031 roll it up into a bigger property. But he hasn't been, I guess, going back to the well continuously and refinancing either to benefit from rate or from uh, cash out. So he's kind of a rarity in that sense where we see a lot of folks where it's extremely common to try to play the leverage game as often as possible, especially mm-hmm. when interest rates are low. But he might've learned some of this methodology through, you know, in the eighties, interest rates are in, you know, double digits, high double digits in the sense of, you know, almost 20%. So yeah, I mean, um, he's been through a lot of cycles. That's that right. I have not been through, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, knowing that he's on the back end of his his cycle as well, I mean, it, it was crucial to, to see that he had a staff in place that could help me get the information I needed. Um, he is an older gentleman that isn't just on his computers as often as us. So it was crucial that he had a team in place. And I think that's a challenge for any investor if they're really trying to grow a mature portfolio is what kind of help do you have in, in place to keep all of your other um, partners satisfied because we all need information and usually in a timely manner. That's a great point. So, I mean, he, he, he had a team, he had a staff um, that, that ran his properties, right? Ran his yeah. They self-manage this office building as well, which is a unique factor. Not all lenders love that, but you know, he's, he's got his hands in there and he really knows what's going on with his property and he can speak to each line item and expense. So I, I really respect that. So, cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, this has been a great deal and I appreciate extra insight into like the investors just track record. Um, So guys, I appreciate you coming out, sharing these, sharing the information on this deal. Um, If people want to get a hold of you, going to the website's the best place to start the conversation on, fill out the form, give you some details and get a time over email or phone to sit there, talk about the goals and what people want to do. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of people reach out recently at spearheadmortgage.com. Um, yeah, fill out our little questionnaire. One of us will reach out to you guys directly and set up a time to speak, learn about your priorities and bring you the best quotes for for your particular deal and, and strategy. So, And I would highly recommend listeners out there, take them up on offer. I mean, a big reason why we like these guys from just doing a great job. They're very smart. They like, they like to spend the time to know what your goals are, what's your current financial position like, and then how can we, how can we provide value and make it better um, and put together something creative. So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. 